Well, hi, everybody. It is great to see you and be with you on this weekend, which happens to be just a few days before Christmas. Are you ready? All the shopping done, all the food bought. It's, it is a great time of year. I know this is an unusual year, but it made Christmas shopping a little easier. You know, I was thinking you could actually, you could actually buy like designer masks for people for Christmas, right? Of course, we're all hoping that we will not be wearing these that much longer, right? I have a feeling we're going to have them around for a long time. But hey, Merry Christmas to you, and uh, what a weekend. We've been talking about Joseph a couple of weeks ago, and then Pastor Foth and Mackenzie talked about uh, Mary and, and the challenges of all. No, they talked about Joseph. I talked about Mary. And we had all these ideas and concepts about what it must have been like for Mary and what it must have been like for Joseph. But what about the actual moment when the announcement is made and Jesus is about to be born? There's a lot of chaos in the story and we're gonna look at it today. So I want you to think about your Christmas traditions for a minute. Like how do you do Christmas? So I, I've called this message, you and Christmas. So I have a lot of traditions. Our family had a lot of fun things that we did. And as I, as I think about those things, it always brings fond memories, both as a kid. And then when Bonnie and I have uh, had children, we started our own kind of traditions. And that's been really fun as well. We, we did certain things that the kids now, uh, the ones that have their own kids, they're doing their traditions. It's Christmas. Everyone responds to Christmas a little differently. Some people, it's all about the food. What are we cooking for Christmas Day? Other people, it's about the presents. I would propose that all those things are fine, but don't lose the real meaning. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth, and that's the you in Christmas that I want to talk about. Now, I often think about Christmas being that story of God wanting me as a teammate. Were you, I don't know if they do this anymore. It's been a while since my school days, but in middle school and in high school, in gym class, we always picked teams and our coach would, would just say, hey, Northrop, you go first and someone else, you go second until we, you just pick a team. And I remember the stress of, will I ever be picked? And who will I pick? And the, the challenges of if I was picked last. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Remember that? So they probably don't do that anymore. They probably take a number or something because <laughs> they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Not a bad idea. Anyway, I, I just remember thinking of Christmas in the way that says, God chose me. He picked you. He was given the option and he said, yes, I'm, I'm sending my son because I want you on my team and we are gonna be teammates for the rest of your life. I'm touched by that. I love that. I sometimes think people don't feel like God is on their side when in fact he really is on your side. So I wanna talk about three different kinds of people today. And I don't know that that I fit into exactly any of these three, but I think we have tendencies 
towards some of the traits in maybe all three of the people that I want to talk about today. So what makes you the type of person that you are? Like, do you think people are born selfish or born generous or born joyful or born with a positive attitude or negative attitude? You know, we hear the phrase, oh, they always see the glass half full. Well, why is that? Is that something that is a DNA piece in them or is that taught? Is that behavior that's learned somewhere in their childhood? I I don't know the answers to all these questions, but I know this. I know that you have a personality type and you probably lean toward a certain flavor when it comes to what you like, what you see, how you discern things, how you interpret things. I know that insecurities have a lot to do with how we read people, what we think they think of us. This goes on and on. It's part of the psyche of mankind. In our story, I want to start with the shepherd people. Number one in your outline, just, just if you're filling it in, just put the shepherd people. And then it says, Jesus is an unknown. To the shepherd people, he's, he's completely unknown. They're not studied. They're not rabbis. They're not Pharisees or Sadducees. They're not part of the religious world. They're shepherds stuck on a hillside. They're laborers. And so Jesus is not really someone they're anticipating having come into their life. So let's just start by looking at their response. And there are a couple of traits I want you to write down. The first one is they were fearful. That's like the first thing that pops out about the shepherds. And I'm going to read it in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. There it is. They were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said, hey, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of Great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, our Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is what they are to go look for. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Please note that God went to them before they went to God. The shepherds are minding their own business. I guarantee you it was a normal night on the hillside. They were not expecting a visit from God. (laughs) And that is often... When God shows up in our lives, it's in the mundane. It's in the routines. It's in the day-to-day grind that we have with our families, our loved ones, our work, our finances, the challenge of everyday living. Boom, God can show up in those moments. It's shocking to the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders that God would have anything to do with shepherds. Shepherds were were people who were so common, they were considered liars and cheats. Get this, I'm not making this up. 
There was a law saying that shepherds could not testify in court because they could not be trusted. You know what that meant? That meant that they could be bribed. And the courts knew it. Someone could pay him a little money and they would say anything you wanted them to say. And so there was no trust, there was no respect for shepherds. But God, God chose to reveal his plan to the shepherds first. What a powerful story of God coming to us before we go to him. And they were afraid. They didn't meet the criteria that was man-made. Ever felt that way? Man, I have. The insecurity hits you and someone else has more gifts, more talents, more means, more whatever. And you go, wow, no wonder God hasn't chosen me. Well, guess what? He has. And this story is beautiful because it's a foretaste of what God wants you to know about his character and his integrity and his willingness to come to you before you ever go to him. God gave his first message to those shepherds who were looked upon as sinners. Another trait of shepherds that we see in the story is that they were willing. Yeah, they were terrified, but they were also willing. I want you to look at verse 15 with me just for a moment here. When the angels had left the shepherds and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go see. You know, being a shepherd person means that you're willing to say, all right, let's, let's go check it out. How many of you are like that? Where you just go, yeah, let's go see. I've been a little bit like that. I'm curious about things and I'm not afraid to run after, you know, the facts about something or, hey, let's go explore that cave or let's go check out what someone told us. Is it true? Is it a myth? Is it real? Let's go to the haunted house. But some people are not. Some people are not very willing. Ask yourself the question, am I willing to explore the claims of Jesus? Because shepherd people are. If you have that DNA in you, that's a blessing from God because you're not afraid to at least ask the questions about the God stuff that you see in the world. What does it mean to be a person who will at least consider the reality of Christ? Now, on a serious note, I'm amazed at how many people in our culture, the name of Jesus polarizes them. Conversation is over. Why? Why is, are they just tired of the rhetoric Christians sometimes bring them? Are they weary of it? Or is Jesus a name that invokes pressure on people to make a decision? I would like to propose that you must, you are in a way forced to make a decision about what you believe about Jesus at Christmas. You're forced to. Either you can't really say Merry Christmas and you have to say Happy Holidays. <laughs> I get so tickled at all this little political war that happens with people. 
Why? It's because the name of Jesus brings all the power of heaven with it. If he's truly God, then you have no choice but to yield and follow. If you don't accept that he's fully God, then he's a blasphemous and you need to reject him. So you have to decide one way or the other. And that is a challenge for many, many people. But these shepherds said, let's go check it out for ourselves. We, we heard it from the angels. Here, let me give you the final trait about the shepherds. They became participants. What a great thing. They were terrified, yes, but then they were willing. Let's go see. And now they actually get to participate in the story. And we're talking about them like 2,000 years later. Think of that. We don't know their names. We just know they were shepherds. Verse 16. So they hurried off. I love this kind of like exploratory expectancy. It's urgent. They hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph. That alone is like a miracle. They found the baby who was lying in the manger. It was like, just like the angel had said. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I think it's twofold. They were amazed that it was the shepherds telling them, and they were amazed at the reality of the story. You know who the first missionaries and evangelists were? Shepherds. Shepherds. Maybe today I need a little shepherd in me. I need a little willingness. I need to be a participant. And I invite you in. I invite you in because God is choosing you. I hope you can accept that today because he loved you. And it's not really surprising if you're a student of the Old Testament that God would choose the shepherds. Think about it. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. <laughs> David was a shepherd. And Jesus is called the good shepherd. Let's move on. The second one is where I see a lot of our culture today. And they're the Herod people. The King Herod people. The traits of Herod come out in them. Jesus to the Herod people is a threat. And that's right there in your outline. Jesus becomes a big threat because he is called the king. Now kings don't like it when other kings come into their territory. Because there's a threat there. So in the story, let's look at Herod's response and let's see what your response might be when Jesus comes around your throne. First of all, they were disturbed. That's what it says about King Herod. And this is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. We pick it up and, and it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, there it is, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born, key phrase, king of the Jews? And Herod's thinking, well, that's me. No, where's the one that's the new king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, here it is. He was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Why? Because it's, this is disturbing to people who don't know who Jesus is. This is a threat 
to life as I have always known it. And so when you are a king like King Herod, you live with a lot of insecurities. The Herod people are always trying to protect their own interests. And that's something we need to think about at Christmas. He's a part of this story because he just couldn't deal with the reality that there was someone who was coming to partner with mankind. He couldn't see a bigger picture. The way he viewed kingdom was his little domain here in Jerusalem and my little world. And it's all about me and what I control and what I have authority over and, and who pays attention to me and my authority. Jesus had no interest in that. His kingdom was bigger. His kingdom goes on forever. How does insecurity impact my life and your life? When God wants to knock on your heart and he wants to bring you a bigger picture of life than what you currently see, are you willing to embrace it? Are you going to hold on? You're going to hold on to your little precious idea of what it's supposed to be. You just can't get beyond it. You can't see the bigger picture. Help us, Lord. His kingdom never ends. Why does the word Jesus create all these emotions and attitudes in people? I'll tell you why, because the kingdom is bigger. Herod people, in your outline, that next little point, Herod people can become really destructive. They not only don't believe and are disturbed, but they actually begin to attack the very idea of salvation to mankind. They begin to attack the idea of God wants you on his team. And so ask yourself the question, what is disturbing you and what in you becomes destructive when someone doesn't believe the way you believe? Because that's really what this is. Let me read it, Matthew 2, verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders. This is a terrible time in history. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned about it from the Magi. Do you know anyone who's just plain mean? You bring up God or Jesus and they flip out. I wonder what happened to them. That's Herod people. Those are Herod people. They're people who are too small to go beyond their own understanding of who God really wants to be in their life. They think he's coming to interrupt their life, to impose something upon them. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to invite you to something, not to impose his will on you. He cares about you. He believes in you. He has a future for you. The Herod people just don't have any tolerance for the message of Christ. It's as though they have a wall that comes up constantly and they don't even realize it. They don't even recognize it. Herod people only hear one voice. You know whose voice it is? Their own. They're right, they're stuck, and they're not changing. I would like to invite you to consider the claims of Christ we all have a little bit of Herod in us. We want it our way. We all have a little bit of selfishness in us. We're all self-centered a little bit. We all look out for our own interests. 
God wants to help us go beyond that human nature and give us a new freedom that only he can bring us. Last and finally, you like that when I say that, don't you? <laughs> I, could, I could just feel that right on the screen. Let's wrap this up. Let me, let me just talk about Joseph and Mary. Because the Joseph and Mary people are my favorite of, of all. Here's what they believe about Jesus. They believe Jesus is God. Now, listen to their response. I think I only put like one response in here for them. And that is this. They accepted the reality of Jesus. They just, they just accepted it. Now, it wasn't easy, and they didn't really know how to accept it in the beginning, especially Joseph. You heard that last week. But he finally accepted it. Luke chapter 2, verse 39 and following. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now we're going to explore this a little bit next weekend. I'm going to talk about life after Christmas and what that means for all of us because they had to go back to real life. Who do you think was the first person who really believed that Jesus was the Son of God? Who? Mary, at least on the earth. I mean, angels knew it and all that, but on the earth that night when that angel came to Mary and she said, may it be to me as you have said, she knew that she could not have gotten pregnant any other way except by God and the Holy Spirit conceived in her. Who was the second person? <laughs> Remember Joseph? Joseph didn't want to believe it. He was basically going to break up with her. But God started working on him. Can I just propose that when God has a plan for your life, let him knock on your heart. Let him change the course of your will. Somehow be open to the revelation of God that comes through either Scripture or others as you journey through life. And then I think of what it must have been like for Joseph and Mary. When you know, regardless of what other people believe, you know this is the Son of God. You're not doubting it. So put, put all those people away. This little boy in your house starts to walk, starts to ask questions, starts to learn how to talk. And you know, how many conversations did Joseph and Mary have when they were, their heads were on the pillow at night and they're going, did you see what Jesus did today? <laughs> did you? What, I mean, what happens when, when you sit Jesus down and you say, Jesus, we're, we're not going to do that anymore, you know, in his human nature? I don't know. I know he didn't sin, but he had to have moments. He was a normal kid. He had to learn patterns of behavior, all these awkward moments. And then who like sat Jesus down one day and said, um, son, we, we need to have a talk. You, you are the son of God. Yeah. <laughs> now go outside and play. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what that must have been like. Maybe what if Jesus would have said, but I don't want to go outside and play. <laughs> You're like, okay, don't start our house on fire. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Oh, I just get tickled when I think of the reality of trying to raise the Son of God. That's all. Joseph and Mary believed. Joseph and Mary held these things dear to them. I invite you to do that this Christmas. These awkward moments of raising God's Son, these moments of saying, Lord, I trust you even though I haven't figured out the rest of my life. Some of you are there right now. I know you're, you're the Son of God. I want to pledge my life to you, but I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to take that step. I want to pray for us. I want us to lead us in a prayer that opens our heart up to not having it all figured out. Joseph and Mary didn't have it all figured out. You look, I mean, most scholars believe Joseph died somewhere in Jesus's young life, and it was Mary that we see in Scripture. She never did figure it out. She was always confused. This is my son. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to rescue him. She's at the cross. She didn't get it, even though she knew he was the Son of God. I would like to say that's how it is sometimes when you walk with God. His plans are not mine. His ways are not always mine. I don't always see what's best for myself. So let's be people who embrace him, even though we don't know the full plan that is yet ahead for us. So who are you? Are you a shepherd person that is willing to go on a journey today with God? Are you a Herod person that says, no, I don't believe, I'm not gonna believe, you're not gonna convince me, and I'm gonna start destroying people? Are you a Joseph and Mary person that somehow believe, but you still need to have that faith to take those steps to do the right thing? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for our Timberline family and those watching today. I thank you for the heart, the hope. We just stop and pause and say, we need you. Lord, I think I have a little bit of the shepherd in me where I just don't know, but I'm willing. I want to follow. I'm, I'm listening. Bring your voice to my heart. I think I have a little bit of Herod in me where I, I like it my way and I'm stubborn and, and I, I, it's not easy to change what I believe. Soften my heart, Lord. Don't let me become destructive. Lord, let me have a little bit of Joseph and Mary in my bloodline, in my life, in my heart that even though I don't know what to do, I'm gonna trust you because I know you chose me before I chose you. As we wrap this up today, I really challenge you. If you have that Herod personality trait, let God soften your heart. If you have a little shepherd in you, would you chase after Jesus just a little harder? Would you look for him? He knows where you are. Don't be afraid to let him pick you and choose you. And let's let love live as we go through this journey. I hope you have a really blessed Christmas. Can't wait to see you again. We have great plans, great anticipation for just a few weeks from now when hopefully we can come back live together. Love you guys. God bless you. Let love live. Have a great week.